Halloween special, Interview with Nancy Kilpatrick. Welcome to the special episode of Dice Gas, special episode for Halloween 2011. We have a very special interview with Nancy Kilpatrick, the Queen of the Dam herself. Well, she is referred to as Canada's Queen of the Undead. She's a celebrated horror writer who's written many, many novels, short stories, and edited anthologies as well, mostly about vampires. So this is a bloody good interview. She has a specialty. Her specialty is vampires, and she's edited uh, anthologies. She was actually at Concept 2011 as a guest of honor. This is an annual science fiction and fantasy convention held every autumn in downtown Montreal. She was actually there signing her latest anthology that she had edited. She had a chance to the, talk to the, us. The title of the anthology, we should just say, is Evolve 2, which I believe is the sequel to Evolve 1. I guess. It would make sense. Two comes after one. This is true. She talked to us about vampires, her writing process, and what she feels about the whole genre. It was very interesting. We had a chance to talk to her, and we recorded this on-site at the convention, and so you might hear some background noises, but it's coming up right after this. Looking for more great gaming podcasts? Check out RPGpodcast.com. So I'm here with Nancy Kilpatrick at Concept 2011. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. You're one of the unusual people out there that's writing horror novels. And when most people think of horror novels, they think of like, you know, some creepy old man in his mother's basement. But you're Nancy Kilpatrick. So tell us about your process of becoming a horror writer. Well, I think I've always written horror. My first story was when I was eight years old. I wrote a creepy witch story, and it kind of went from there. And the first book I ever read was a witch story, as it turns out, although I've never written a witch story, so there you go. I'm focused mainly on vampires. That's not exclusive. I've written zombie stories and other types of horror as well. Most of my work, though, has been vampires, and I've had a long kind of love affair with the vampire. I've collected books for many, many, many years. I've got about 2,000 titles that are books that mainly novels, some art books, some books that are the history of the vampire mythology, things like that, folklore. What actually prompted you to write horror? I don't know. I'm probably a sick person. <laughs> I'm not sure what, where this came from. As a kid, I just loved horror movies. And what I liked particularly was the vampire. That's why I went that way. But I liked all horror. I heard somebody the other day say literature, as we call it, literary writing, is really about now and what happens in regular life, normal life, how people are. Supernatural literature and anything that's in the fantastical genre really gives you a chance to use your imagination. And I think that's the realm that I had to go in because I'm a, a person of that ilk. Tell us about the process of writing your first book. The first book you've written, was that the one that was first published or did you actually publish later books before that one? 
The first book I wrote was not a horror book. It was what I would call kind of autobiographical based on my life. It didn't get published, even though I had a great agent. I had one of the top three agents in New York, but he still couldn't sell it. Um, are, are you a little jealous with Justin Bieber publishing his memoirs at yeah, you know the age of 10? Yeah, you know, your first no, book just didn't get published? It didn't make the cut? No, no, no. It's a whole other realm. You know, I'm a writer. He's a singer. It's, he's entertainment. It's a different thing. The second book I wrote was a vampire novel. Long story, let's just say it didn't get published for a lot of years, and it finally did get published, but when I wrote this book, it was futuristic. I'd written a novel that was vampire, but set in the year 2003, and that was far in the future then. That was several decades to come. Because it didn't get published, I had to rewrite it because 2003 was getting closer. <laughs> so finally it was published in the year 2000, and that meant that 2003 was too close to have it what was the original story. So anything that I had in there that was futuristic. I had things like cryonic suspension, moving sidewalks, all these things that have come to pass. So the story had to change and I ended up setting it as in the 1960s so it would be a flashback book and it became part of a four book world that I've done, The Power of the Blood. In terms of the stories, where do you get your inspiration for it? <sighs> Everywhere. <laughs> like I could write a story about you. See, I'm sitting here talking to you and maybe I'll go home and I'll have a dream tonight and the next thing you know, you'll be in the story. And you might be the vampire, you might be the victim. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling a little hot under the collar right now. I mean, I've never been like, is, is, you know, like uh, Nancy Kilpatrick is now thinking about me in her dreams. And it's kind of like creepy. Are there some people out there that have actually inspired you for some of your novels? There are some people in your novels that just don't know they're in there and then you just kill them off? I mean... Well, usually characters are a composite. They're not usually a person, but occasionally I have written stories. I have a funny vampire story called Bitches of the Night, which is about a Dracula-type character named Istvan, and he has three brides, and they're driving him nuts. You know, all these centuries have gone by, and they just can't stand it anymore. So um, basically, this is based on a friend of mine, His name is Istvan, I won't go any further than that. And he was at one point involved with several women at the same time, so I took this kind of idea of relationships and how weird and crazy they can get and threw it into this story. So bitches on night, listen to the music they make. <laughs> Or the screaming they make. <laughs> In terms of why vampires, I mean, obviously a, a recurring theme is vampire. Is there a particular reason why vampire is so appealing to you as a writer? The vampire has a lot going for it in terms of a supernatural creature. Personally, I don't find werewolves frightening. Maybe, you know, if I'd been born in another place, another time, and lived in the woods, sure. But right now, that doesn't appeal to me as a, a frightening element. The vampire, one of the really strong attributes for me is that these are beings who are extremely powerful. I feel that they're more powerful than human beings. And one of the difficulties and the tricks of writing about them is to make them almost invincible. Because then you have a really strong, interesting vampire to work with. Not one of these vampires that, you know, is just so human that... It's not really supernatural. The vampire has to be that. Uh, the immortality is very interesting to me as well. The idea of continuing on and what that means, whether that means you succumb to this kind of Byronic, you know, melodramatic fatigue, I guess, of the soul, something like that. Or if you actually adapt as you go, and because you adapt, you become different, you expand. And a vampire can do that the way a human being can. 
And of course, there are other things about them that are appealing. They're always young. They're always sexy. They're always hot. Even in the old days, oh, of course, if you go far back enough into the mythology and the folklore, they weren't hot. They weren't sexy. They were creepy. They were resuscitated corpses. But ever since Dracula, the original books that were done around that time, Varney the Vampire, Carmilla, the story of the vampire, which was the very first in English published story. It predated Dracula. All of them were attractive. They were appealing. And they were all aristocracy, too. So they always started out rich, right? (laughs) So the vampire, you know, has got a lot going for it. But because it was human, this is one of the really interesting aspects of it, that having been a human being and now being supernatural above what we are, these creatures should be the dominant creature on the planet. We are not at the top of the food chain with a vampire. They are. We become prey. Vampires for a certain time, it was basically old school and not much happening. And then all of a sudden now vampires are getting a research. I mean, there's TV shows like True Blood, Vampire Diaries, and all these things. And of course, the Twilight series and the movies and so on. Is it actually diluting the power of the vampire in popular culture or is it actually helping its uh, credentials? Well, I see these uh, some of these shows anyway, and the movies say Twilight is the predominant one. Twilight is young adult. It's made for young girls. And I get pissed off at a lot of guys who start bitching about it because I think, come on, this is not for you, you know? It's just like a, a wrestling movie is not for a young girl. You, this is not for you. Like, get a grip here. So there's what's the point of trashing this? It's what it is. It's an aspect of the vampire. It's not to me the most interesting aspect that I like because I like all vampire stuff I'm a maniac but being a vampire file you know you have a love of everything you you find something in everything that appeals to you because of the archetypal energy there but I see its validity it's part of it it's not the whole picture true blood is different than that vampire diaries is also young adult but it's different again being human both the UK and the US series is for older people that are say in their 20s or so that's what that's aimed for there's a lot of different elements to that media vampire we are getting back though to I guess you'd call it a more creepy vampire I've seen that in a few stories now in the book that I have just edited which is a sequel to a book I edited last year the new one is called Evolve to Vampire Stories of the Future Undead. These are not the romantic vampires. You know, they're not all creepy and ugly, but most of them, they're you don't want to date them. It's interesting because they've just recently, there was a remake of a famous vampire movie, Fright Night, and Jerry Dandridge, back in the 1980s, was the suave vampire next door and the remake actually it's creepy what the hell is going on stay away from this guy vampire i mean it's in your opinion that did you actually see the movie and and did you think that it was a good remake or a bad remake and you think that's sort of like showing like let's make the vampires a little bit more creepier now i mean uh, after all these nice little vampires that want to date teenagers or waitresses in bars and now we're going back to creepy vampire he'll suck your blood out right off your jugular I've seen both the movies, the original and the remake. They're obviously based on the same premise, though they're both good movies. They're a slightly different take on the vampire. I don't find the new one with Jerry the Vampire as any creepier or more violent than when Chris Sarandon did the role back in the day. So to me, they both kind of work in their way. Jerry, of course, is the everyman guy. Chris was back to the more aristocratic. He looked fantastic in gray leather, I might add. 
Of course, we've been talking about vampires the entire interview, and of course, this is an interview. So I guess I mean it might be off topic, and maybe it's not. But speaking of interview with vampires, Anne Rice and her second coming and embracing the light and being a female author who's writing a vampire, what is your take on that? Anne Rice is her own person, her own industry in a way. Uh, she had a knockout book with Interview with a Vampire. I don't think I've run into more than three or four people that didn't like that book. Everybody loved it. It was innovative. came in the mid-70s when there were basically four books that changed the vampire the way and to what we're seeing more now. Hers was one, Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough's Hotel Transylvania, The Dracula Tapes by Fred Sager Hagen. Those three books and then Stephen King's Salem's Lot. All those four books have defined what we see now. Three quarters of the vampire we see are more philosophical or more erotic or whatever, but they're not the old vampire. Stephen King took the old route. We still see that. So I think Anne Rice did something amazing with that book. I personally like Lestat. When I got to Queen of the Damned, I got pretty sick of it. And I have the other books. I can't say that I've read most of them. She has her life. She has what she's doing in her life. She wrote out of her own grief with the loss of her daughter. That's kind of one of the things that propelled her into that first book. She does what she does. I don't think she's as popular now as she was. I think in the last 10 years or so, she's not up at the top anymore. There's a lot of other books that are more popular with people. Obviously, other than your books, are there some upcoming offers that you've spotted out there that people have not seen before? that have written about vampires and you go like, you know what, that's an interesting direction. As, as an author who's been doing this, that I think this author is up and coming. One of the authors that I always like to tell is Gemma Files. She's a Canadian author from Toronto, and she's got a trilogy, two of which are out right now. They're worth checking out for sure. Sandra Castori is another Toronto author who basically was a poet. Sandra is the, one of the most exquisite writers I have ever read. She has a story in Evolve, too. She actually has a poem in the first Evolve, but in the second one, she's got a story which ends the book. And to read it, it's a beautifully written story. So in terms of writing quality, She's fantastic. And in terms of your own books, are there books that you're working currently on that we can expect to see on the shelves later this year or maybe next year? In terms of vampires, I've got a graphic novel coming out from Brainstorm Comics called Nancy Kilpatrick's Vampire Theater. That is coming out in uh, digital form as well as print form this year. I also have a collection of my stories and novellas coming out next year called Vampiric Variations. I'm editing a new anthology which is coming out next year. It's not vampire, it's called Dance Macabre, Close Encounters with the Reaper. And a bunch of short stories. <laughs> Well, that was Nancy Kilpatrick at Concept in uh, 2011. Thank you very much for being on the show and hoping you have an excellent weekend. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here and it was fun talking with you. Yes. And, and you're not going to spurt canines and start, you know, biting our necks and our photographer here and, and, no. and not, not like suck our blood or anything like this. You're not really a vampire, right? I'm not really a vampire. I'm a writer, but writers are vampires, so you probably will end up in a story one day. Whether you recognize yourself or not is something else. All right. So that, <laughs> though, thank, thank you very much. Call 911. Call 911. So that was our interview with Nancy Kilpatrick, recorded at Concept 2011, earlier in October. So tell me something. Did she sprout the canines and suck your blood? 
No, but you know, I think it's bad karma when you've got like a horror writer that wants to put you in their book. It's kind of like you know, creepy in a way. You know, it's like you know, because you know you're gonna die, and then she's gonna write about you dying, I guess, or something. I hope not. I well, don't know. That's sort of the price we have to pay because that interview was completely unscheduled. We didn't set up anything with her in advance. She was right there just in the hallway of the Hotel Expresso in Montreal walking towards us. And we asked her, do you want to do an interview? And she said, absolutely. Yeah. And she's very approachable. And I think we even have like a little bit of video that we can actually uh, see on the, on YouTube. That's that, right, uh, yeah. From we, her. We did record a, a teaser trailer for this episode, which is also in the Dicecast feed. And we also recorded some interviews with some of the organizers of Concept, but that we'll keep for another episode that for future reference. Indeed. And also, you did interview the alternate history sci-fi writer Eric Flint, which our listeners can look forward to in an episode somewhere down the line. That was a great interview, too. I guess the only thing we've got left to tell our listeners is, well, it's Halloween, and there are vampires out there, so eat lots of garlic, sharpen your steak. If your creepy neighbor starts to sprout fangs and starts to eat your neighbors, that's also a sign it's a vampire. Watch uh, Fright Night. That's also a very good instructional video of how to deal with your vampire neighbors. Oh, so it's educational. It's educational. And read Nancy's book. I mean, you'll learn everything you need to learn about vampires. There's a link to it in the show notes. And her vampires don't sparkle in daylight. Sorry. You know, Twilight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't. Yeah, that's, that was too obscure, right? No, yeah. I um, doubt okay. anybody in, in our listenership has heard okay. of that at all, knows anything about those novels. Okay. Well, anyway. Happy Halloween. And may the darkness be with you. Forever, ever, ever, and ever, 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 ever. Is that creepy enough? No. Not creepy? Okay. <laughs> that was pretty creepy. That's all the time we have for this episode. You can find out more about who we are and what we do at our website, www.polymancer.com, or our main corporate website, www.polymancerstudios.com. You can email us at dicecast at polymancer.com, follow us on Twitter at polymancer, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash polymancer, or myspace.com slash polymancer. The music for this segment, Fort Minor, Remember the Name, BYFH Remix by Chojin, Violated Instrumental by Technetium, Industrial March Beat and Triple Layer Guitar in E by Neurowax are all released under a Creative Commons license. This episode is copyright 2011 Polymancer Studios Incorporated, released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivative works license. This episode may be freely redistributed as long as it is done for no charge and as long as due credit is given to the copyright owners. Full text of the Creative Commons license is available at creativecommons.org. Dicecast is a trademark of Polymancer Studios Incorporated. Polymancer is a registered trademark of Polymancer Studios Incorporated. Thank you for listening to the Dicecast. Cast.